everyone. Welcome back to Tech Talk. I am Julia Beauchamp. I am here with Computer World Executive Editor Ken Mingus, as well as CIO's Sharon Florentine. We are going to be talking about the H-1B visa program, some recent updates to it, as well as how it relates to STEM Opt. And as a reminder, we are live on YouTube and on the Computer World LinkedIn page. So if you have any questions, any comments, we will try to get to them towards the end of our broadcast. So feel free to leave them. And thank you so much for tuning in with us today. And Sharon, thank you so much for calling in today. Um, so if you could, could we discuss maybe some of the more recent changes to the H-1B visa program? I know, Ken, we did a video with Sharon a few. Yeah, sort of a follow-up to what we did a little while back. Yeah, and there were some changes with the um, H-1B visa program at that time, which included, I believe, some... Um, There's a greater emphasis on like advanced degrees, which has been one of the big changes. I've been sort of surprised to see that. And also these efforts to streamline the application process. Yeah, I was going to say it. And I believe it um, also had to deal with sort of how they pick exactly it sort of changed how they pick applicants right exactly and you know it's interesting one of the things that Sharon's been writing about that I was not aware of is this F1 visa program mm -hmm. and how that feeds into the uh, STEM opt and I guess we should explain that that STEM, what, what exactly STEM opt is because a lot of people may not be familiar with it STEM opt is optional practical training and it's a way for students in particular who may be on F1 visas to sort of extend their ability to stay here in the U.S. and then that sort of sort of naturally feeds into the the possibility of them being able to get an H-1B visa and staying even longer you know, once, they're, once they're done with the schooling. Yeah, and it seems like these um, F-1 visa um, students, students. They, it seems like they do, they, it seems as though they sort of tend to be master's or graduate level students because like, there is sort of an, what, what happened with the um, sort of updates to the program is that there was a push for applicants and preference for applicants with more advanced degrees. Right, exactly. And, you know, it's it's interesting because this has always been an issue, or at least in terms of H-1B visas, it's been a real issue in terms of whether or not um, uh, foreign workers could come to the U.S. and, you know, be hired by companies, whether they were being paid less than U.S. workers would be paid. And the idea that now you've got students who have this F-1 visa and then can now get into this STEM opt uh, program and I guess you know STEM is obviously science, technology, uh, electrical engineering, and mathematics. I think it's just science, technology, engineering, engineering. Mathematics. Okay, yeah. I okay. don't think it needs to be electrical engineering. Got it. Okay. <laughs> but and that's increasingly important for IT an IT workforce. Obviously, an IT workforce is going to have a lot of people in their um, workforce with STEM degrees and um, in sort of STEM technologies because you want people who are familiar with computer science, data analytics, data processing. Not surprising processing. for the tech industry. Not surprising in the least. Um, and something that we are hoping to touch on today as well is that there seems to be um, a renewed push for site visits for I was just going to say that's one of the big you know one of the big concerns here is that obviously with uh, ICE in the US. Um, oh hey, hey Sharon. 
I'm back. Yay. I'm All right. We, we were just sort of going through the background a little bit of, uh, you know, sort of what STEMOPT is, F1 visas. Uh, obviously, you know a lot more about it than we do because you write about it all the time. But mm -hmm. uh, we were just sort of giving a little bit of uh, background. Again, if you're just tuning in, we're talking about H-1B visas, the STEM Opt program, some recent changes to the H-1B visa program. Um, so, that, uh, what's that? I said that uh, that little background was very comprehensive. That uh, segues really nicely into um, some of the stuff I wanted to bring up today. Um, you mentioned the ICE uh, site visits. And um, so that's an interesting issue. Um, back in August, uh, Forbes reported that ICE had begun doing site checks for uh, third-party um, STEM opt employment uh, locations. And I reached out to a number of my CIO sources and so I was unable to confirm that any of the CIOs that I spoke to that that ICE was, um, you know, ICE had not been been doing site checks at their locations. Mm -hmm. um, and the Forbes article did not specifically mention which companies or which uh, consulting firms or, or contractors um, were subject to those checks. Um, so. It's definitely a possibility that those checks could happen. Um, ICE has had the ability to perform those checks since, uh, I believe, second quarter of 2016. Whether or not they are actually happening, uh, I have not been able to get confirmation. But it is definitely well within their legal rights to do so. Um, so it's something that employers definitely want to keep in mind to have that documentation ready to make sure that um, students and visa holders are complying with their their training programs and the learning opportunities that that they're supposed to. And while um, Ken and I were talking, you know, just a few minutes ago, I was saying that it seems as though these obviously are student workers in these STEM opt programs, but would right. you say it's more so on the graduate and master levels? It's not as many, or is it also undergraduate students as well? Um, so I'm going to back up and, and do a quick. I was just going to ask yeah, you if you could, let's start with um, the, the F1 and how we get the STEM opt and how mm -hmm. that might feed the H1Bs. Yeah, sure. Sure. So um, F1 is the student visa for international students who are studying uh, in, in any field in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, and so the OPT, the Optional Practical Training, is uh, Department of Homeland Security's program to offer students, both while they're in school and after they finish their degree, the ability to stay in the U.S., on that F-1 study visa without changing their immigration status um, and receive training through corporate partners. Um, companies that employ these folks, um, they have to um, be accredited by the Student and Exchange Visitor Program um, there is a, a list on the DHS site 
called Study in the States. It's a, a really comprehensive overview of all of these programs and the requirements, both for students and for participating companies. Um, so a school has to become SEVP certified, and then they also have to be enrolled in Customs and Immigration's E-Verify Employment Eligibility Verification Program. So then students can go and select one of these schools, um, and then that ensures that after they finish their degree, that they're eligible for an, an opt program after graduation. Now, the STEM piece of that is exactly what it sounds like. Um, companies targeting students with STEM degrees, and as Juliet said, that's uh, science, technology, engineering, and math. And um, when students select an employer uh, to do their STEM opt training, the, the employer has to be able to provide a formal documented training program with specific learning objectives um, that, that then can be reviewed and checked by um, DHS and, and customs and have to be 20 hours a week of work for the student. It sounds like there are a lot more requirements for companies that may be looking to to hire, you know, the students who have F-1 visas who have opted in, opted in to the STEM opt program than companies might be used to if they're just familiar with the H-1B visa program. Is that right? There are a lot more things that they have to worry about? Yes. Yeah. Um, especially with the being a student visa, obviously there's not, um, you know, you don't yet have a degree. You right. don't yet have that documented, uh, benchmark, so to speak of your knowledge. You're in training, you're studying and you're working towards, um, you know, getting that degree, um, as well as, you know, you could choose to leave the country again after you get your degree, even if you've gone through the training, um, you know, or if, if, uh, if DHS or ICE decides that for whatever reason, uh, students are not complying with their training program, they can be deported, Do we which have is pretty chilling. Yeah, that's, I was just going to say, do we have any statistics at all? I mean, obviously the idea is out there is that ICE could crack down on these things if it wanted to. And you said, you know, the CIOs you've talked to have not been personally affected by something like that. Do we have anything that indicates whether there really has been a crackdown or is this more sort of a fear that, you know, that, that, you know, either the students or visa holders or companies that may be hiring them and, and, and using them, uh, are worried about, but they haven't seen in practice yet. Do we have any stats or anything like that on that? Um, you know, that's something I've been trying to dig up. And like okay. I said, I have not been able to find anything so far. Okay. Um, from, from my understanding, it's more of an existential fear at this point. Um, although you know, more broadly, the current administration has made no bones about its feelings on immigration, both legal and otherwise. And, um, you know, it, it, like I said, it can be pretty chilling. Um, 
you know, in just at the beginning of this month, um, the, the president signed what they're calling a proclamation that's going to make it harder even for legal immigrants um, and those who are relatives of folks that are already in the country, uh, those with green cards, um, to to go through that process and legally immigrate. Um, the, the proclamation states that immigrants who don't have health insurance currently or who aren't able to pay for their medical care out of pocket are going to be denied the ability to come here. So the, there's, um, it, it's been pretty vague what those income cutoffs are going to be um, and, and even who makes that determination. Um, but, you know, that's another factor here that the, the, there seems to be an, an all fronts push toward restricting uh, immigration in general. Yeah. Um, that I, I think is is also having an effect here in, in the IT and technology industries. Just a quick reminder, if you're tuning in, that uh, we're talking about the F-1 visa, stu- students who have F-1 visas, H-1B visas, the STEM opt program, changes to those programs, and sort of how recent crackdowns in the U.S. on immigration in general may be affecting uh, the way those programs work. Um, have, have we seen any... Um, or have any companies talked about how they're concerned that these kinds of crackdowns might affect their ability to hire, you know, qualified workers maybe next year or the year after? Or is there just sort of, even though we don't know, you know, specifically whether ICE has come in and literally yanked people out and, and, and sent them home, whether companies themselves might be more leery of taking on somebody who's got a STEM opt program or is in the program and then might, they might lose them down the road? Um, I'm not hearing that necessarily. Um, and, and that could be because for now, at least until the April, 2020, uh, you know, the next round of H1B visas. Um, are their workers, uh, H1Bs filled and, uh, and working, um, but, you know, it's definitely something I plan on on keeping an eye out for um, over the next couple months to see. Okay. And there are changes to the H-1B visa program, not, not talking about the F-1 anymore, the H-1B right. visa program, that are going to be implemented in April 2020. Could you just touch on a few of those? I think um, some of our viewers have a few questions about what exactly those changes will be. Yes, absolutely. Um so there were, um, as you as you mentioned before, um, and you know what? Let me just uh, pull up my notes on that real quick, so sure. I make sure that I am accurately answering those questions. Mm-hmm. If you don't mind giving me a minute here, um, yeah, one of the. Seems yeah. like our connection is acting yeah. up again. That's right. But we so we can just chat um, a little bit, Ken, about. Um, and then in 2020. Yep, go ahead. 
I'm sorry, I'm having a little issue here again with my my technology. Sometimes it's friend, sometimes it's a foe. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's being very, very argumentative this morning. <laughs> well, you know, we, um, we were talking about the story that you had written uh, a little while ago about uh, mm -hmm. the changes to H-1B visas. And, you know, we had spoken earlier about there's a greater emphasis on advanced degrees. That's mm -hmm. one of the big changes. The uh, right. st streamline application process. And uh, I mean, do we do we have any idea what have they done to sort of streamline this? Is it streamlined for the uh, the visa holder or for the companies? Hmm. Um. So in, in that case, uh, and and I promise I will come back to the uh, the the twenty twenty question. Um. It's. I will say that I I think it's streamlined uh, uh, a, for for both. Okay. Um, for applicants, the the application process has been streamlined in that they no longer have to fill out an entire application until they are selected. So it's a much less labor-intensive uh, initial application process. And only if they're selected do they have to then fill out the rest of the information that's required. Um, this also makes it a little easier, I think, for companies in that they don't have to sort through piles and piles of that paperwork. Um, you know, they can they can look at a, a smaller set of information um, and make the decision there. Um, so going back to your 2020 question there, um, that's actually one of the the major changes that will go into effect. Um, the The registration system will be electronic, entirely electronic, and it will have that shorter version of the application. Um, so, like I said, not only does that streamline some of the administrative and paperwork burden, um, it also reduces the costs because it's it's automated. It's electronic and, you know, um, you're not, for instance, paying a legal firm uh, an, uh, or an immigration attorney mm -hmm. to have to go through that paperwork and, you know, do that kind of expensive build by the hour due diligence. Um, related to this, we've got a lot of people asking just about the procedure in general. So is mm -hmm. there a link or an article we can give them so they can go find out where to get information to apply, the procedure to apply? Yes. Um, I would, uh, for H-1B... Uh, yeah, they're asking about H-1B. or yeah. STEM-OPT or both? H-1B. Okay. Um, I would direct folks to um, USCIS.gov. Um, that's probably the most up-to-date information available. Um, and if you go to the Citizenship and Immigration Services homepage, um, and then on the top search bar, if you just type in H1B, they have a pretty comprehensive and obviously that's straight from the horse's mouth um, information and application processes. Okay. And somebody was asking, um, is this for Canada? I'm wondering if they're asking 
If it's for people who live in Canada who want to work in the U.S., this is, that's my assumption. So this is for anybody who is outside of the United States and wants to work here. The H-1B well, visa. Yes, correct. There aren't certain yes. countries that are that it applies to. Uh not that I'm aware of. I, yeah, I think it's pretty much so. universal yeah. if you're not in the U.S. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, sort of it's, like the and universe. that would apply yeah. to Canada and anybody else. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but it's yeah. visas to work in the United States. Yep. Correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, I got another question. Yeah. Somebody's asking about the DV lottery program and if it works, if it's a genuine program. So do you know what the DV lottery program is? That one's a new one for me. I'm wondering if that refers to the diversity lottery program. Um, that's uh, related to immigration. It does seem like that's um, referring to the diversity visa lottery. Okay. So it's legit. It's There's a <laughs> do it and, website. Uh, Definitely that person. Yeah, and that's also there's information on the USCIS site about okay. that specific diversity program. So they right. can, mm-hmm. if they go okay. to USCIS.gov, they'll be able to find information there. Same okay. way, do a search. It's right there. And, yeah, my apologies. I wish I could answer that. Sorry. And uh, a, a question here about the um, looks like it's the STEM Opt program. Mm-hmm. So how much okay. time does a student have to decide whether they want to go for the Opt program or go back to their respective country? I imagine that's probably on the website, too. Um, I believe that's on the website. Um, There's, let's see. I know know that between, there's an initial, I'm sorry, let me, let me get my thoughts together. Um, There's an initial opt period after, uh, that takes place for, for 12 months. And then between that and the STEM opt or the opt extension, which is for an additional 24 months between those two students have to wait, uh, 60 days. Uh, there's a a grace period that DHS, um, implements and, uh, but, but I'm not sure if there's a, a period like a time period before they accept or decline that I'm not sure about. Okay. Okay. Again, like Ken said, I would probably defer to uh, USCIS. Okay. Cool. Sure. That's all we have for right now. I'll go check and see if we got more. Great. I I have a feeling there'll be a few comments. There always are about this program because it it, it tends to be uh, a hot topic in Mm -hmm. this, in the industry. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, if we didn't get to one of our viewers' questions, if we didn't get to your question, we can try our best to answer it in the comments um, on LinkedIn, so you can expect a comment from us. If you have a question that's especially pressing, we'll definitely be sure to try our best to answer that. Yeah, we'll take a look. So definitely check back in the comments for uh, any answers we can provide. And we'll also try to drop in a couple of links to the uh, USCIS site, et cetera. Uh, Sharon, thanks so much. A ton of information here. It's obviously a very complicated series of programs, affects a lot of people, lots of changes. You know, this is obviously we'll be back. We're going to have to have you back soon to see what happens before April, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, But thank you so much for being here and taking the time to explain this to us. Of course. I really appreciate the opportunity to come back and talk about this. And thank you so much for 
bearing with my technology headaches. Technology, friend <laughs> Thanks, or phone. No, we'll we, we'll definitely have you back. Uh, in the meantime, just a reminder: if you're watching us on YouTube, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're looking at us on the LinkedIn Live page, you can follow the Computer World page to see what episodes are coming up. Speaking of next Tuesday, we're going to be talking to CSOs Lucian Constantine to talk about Cybersecurity Awareness Month. If you haven't heard of that by now, you must be dead because everybody and his brother is talking about it. So definitely check back next week for that. Uh, in the meantime, thanks, Juliet. Yeah, thank this you. This was fun. Thanks, Sharon. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. That's it for now.